0: Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later.
1: If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move.
0: Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go.
1: I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNurtney at Green Ocean Global we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend.
0: Right. He can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes.
1: And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation.
0: I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out.
1: And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John.
0: Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out.
1: All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below.
2: Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, Josh talks with Jim, who moved to Portugal sight unseen with his wife Mandy during the pandemic. Jim taught brand new Peace Corps volunteers, helping them adapt and adjust to their new countries. It's amazing how well those skills translate to Portugal. Stick around. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, Josh. Can you believe it? Five weeks in a row.
0: I can't believe it, actually. It's been really good. How are you doing, Dan?
2: I'm doing great, thank you. Now, last week, you guys were around Espinho, if I remember correctly. What's been going on this week?
1: Well, we've uh, actually had a friend visit us this week, and it was pretty awesome because we were able to uh, pause life a little bit and go see some nice sights around Porto. The weather was quite good.
0: Yeah, it was really nice. It wasn't too cold was sunny. Yeah. It's always nice when someone comes to visit because then you see the city as a tourist again, and you kind of forget those things that you wouldn't go to when you live here, but they're fun to go to every once in a while.
2: Yeah, that's how I feel about Navy Pier here in Chicago.
0: Yeah, and actually we
1: mixed it up this week because we tried some places that we hadn't been before, some different restaurants and stuff, and some other places that we know are are like trustworthy and reliable, and everything was a hit, really.
0: Yeah, I think she she didn't necessarily want to see all the touristy spots of Porto, but she wanted to eat at the good places, so we were like, yeah, we can definitely do that.
1: Her first meal, we took her to a traditional Portuguese place, and then we found ourselves strolling around kind of between Ribeira, which is the riverside, and then all the way up to the edge of Foch. We tried a couple little places along the way there, which gave some uh, nice views of the waterfront.
0: And this is her first time to Portugal, Porto specifically, so she, of course, tried port. Uh,
1: What about pastel de nata? Oh, she loved it. She fell in love with pastel de nata, and it was like a personal mission of hers, I think, to to try as many (laughs) as her stomach would allow.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it was pretty funny. But it was really nice to see her because we actually met her when we lived in Singapore, and she's currently living in Vienna. So, you know, we're not very far from each other now, but every time we were planning a trip to go visit her there, she was not in Vienna. So we're like, well, we'll go ahead and wait for Lizzie to be there because Josh and I have visited. So it was fun that she was able to take a break from work and come visit us here, and then we'll go visit her at some point, maybe this summer.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think one of the issues we've run into is that there are not many, if any right now, direct flights from Porto to Vienna, whereas from Lisbon to Vienna, there there are direct flights. So that's kind of a bummer because I think we probably have to stop in Madrid or somewhere else.
0: Which maybe we'll just make that a trip in and of itself, like if we go for a couple weeks somewhere, which we like to do, of course. Then we'll just go somewhere that's a direct flight from here and then find a direct flight from that place, maybe Madrid, Vienna.
1: And this is the massive beauty of living in Europe is that it's quite cheap and quick to get around and travel and and really kind of the world or at least Europe is your oyster.
0: Which is why we can't sit still. We're like that anywhere, but Europe just makes it a little easier and more cost effective for us.
1: It sounds lovely. It absolutely does. And now we're having to think about, okay, how do we balance this with C is school because we don't want to disrupt that routine. But it is what it is. An awesome thing that happened uh, this week is that we found out that Arsenal, our favorite soccer club, football club, was drawn against Sporting Lisbon. Nice. And they're going to be down in Lisbon March 9th. So we got tickets for that. Awesome. Super stoked about it. We'll be spending a day down there and then heading to Aveiro to film.
0: That sounds super fun. Yep, should be some good stuff.
2: Big congrats to Arsenal.
1: So I got to say,
2: Josh... It's been several weeks since we did this interview with Jim. And when I went back to actually do the editing, I forgot how much I loved this conversation.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really cool, actually, because I love Jim's voice, for one. And I just love kind of the, the aura about him. And, yes, I agree. And like kind of what he gives off, the vibe he gives off to take one of Kaylee's words. Totally. Um, totally. Good Lord. He's just such a nice guy and has such a positive outlook on life. Um, he and his wife are here in Porto really doing life well. Uh, they're, they're, they're living like locals in a way in terms of kind of their mentality towards things. Uh, they're not trying to, to do anything like super extravagant, um, but they love going to local places, meeting people, listening to Fadu. And all of that really comes out in this interview. And that's really what I loved about it. And I hope that's what the listener loves about it as well.
0: They're a great couple, and I, I really like Jim, so I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to this podcast.
1: Yeah, Jim just has
2: this way with words. Not only is he the only person I've ever heard utter the phrase, chronic overboogie. I
1: don't remember him saying that. But at the
2: <laughs> end, it felt like I just finished an intensive therapy session.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I love talking to Jim. I think he's just an awesome dude. I really appreciate his perspective. I think the cool thing about being able to do this with Jim is I was able to get to know him on a deeper level and have a different conversation than when we just like see him out and about or see him at our our meetups here. Yeah, that makes sense. So that was really cool.
0: Well, let's jump right into this podcast then because I want to hear it. And we will
1: right after this message. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere even on your smartphone.
0: And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month.
1: Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the US to Europe. So that includes documents.
0: (laughs) Amazon purchases. Amazon purchases.
1: (laughs) And you can get it to Portugal.
0: And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that.
1: I bet you love that junk mail filter.
0: Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters.
1: <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below.
0: Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the like the long term people have had problems with, right?
0: Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live.
1: And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using.
0: Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money.
1: Yep. Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule. And they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast.
0: Yeah, which is really exciting.
1: So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Jim, thank you so much for joining me today on Let's Move to Portugal. We've become friends over the past several months since you and Mandy, your wife, have moved here. We've had a real pleasure connecting with you and understanding more about your journey to get here, but we want to have the listener understand more about your journey getting here. So where are you from originally and why did you decide that Portugal was
3: the spot for you? I'm originally from California via Baltimore, Washington, D.C. So we left from Baltimore, Washington, where i had been the last few years. And we decided to come here about two years ago, just as COVID was beginning. So many people, our work began to change. I teach. So I do a lot of in-classroom and workshops and things. And Mandy teaches yoga. So it meant being with people. And all of a sudden, we couldn't be with people anymore. And we realized that at our age and stage in life that there was no reason for us to necessarily stay where we were. And we began to think about where could we be and where do we want to be? And we began to look around Europe and we found your podcast and we met you two years ago, not online like this, but we met you via your video on getting to CVS for your passport pictures and getting to the bank as you were getting ready and you're getting your D7 visa. So we've been following you for a couple of years. Wow, that was early days in our Portugal content creation for sure. Yeah, it was right at the very beginning, and we're becoming aware of Portugal. I found you because of that, and uh, there were some reasons that we were interested and it interestingly, it's not about the political situation, as much as it's about quality of life and lifestyle issues, quality of health care, and the reputation of Portugal and the Portuguese as being open and warm and friendly, as we began thinking about it, it loomed more on our horizons. We were thinking about other countries, but Portugal kept coming up. And then we discovered that we had friends, from the U.S. who had moved to Portugal themselves and lived in Panish and contacted them. And they started talking about how wonderful a place it was. And so we decided we're going to do this. And we sold everything. We sold the house and we gave away most of our possessions. And we came over with three cats and about 18 suitcases. Sight unseen. Incredible.
1: Incredible. So for those that don't know, Paniche is north of Lisbon, maybe,
3: what, 45 minutes, an hour drive? Yes, an hour drive west, and it's on the Silver Coast, they call it. And then folks may have heard of Nazaré with the big surf. That's, what, 25 or 30 miles north or so. It's all on that big Atlantic coast there. Nice. So you didn't end up in Paniche, though. Where are you now? We're in Porto. The reason we thought about Porto is that when we were just getting the idea of coming here, Mandy is an artist, and she's been very interested in urban sketching, and Porto comes up as one of the more beautiful places. Though there are many beautiful places here, but it was really enticing because it's a large city, there's a lot of variety, and it really is very picturesque. And so we started focusing on Porto. Uh, We went via Panish because the folks that we stayed with, they sponsored us. So folks know about the D7 visas in terms of rentals and things like that. We had friends who sponsored us for a couple of months so that we could get here and get our apartments and things lined up. And are these friends locals or are they foreigners? They're foreigners. Eric is the son of an old colleague of mine that we used to work together back in the United States when she worked for the government and I consulted with them. And I met him through his mother, Jill. And when I spoke to Jill way back when we were contemplating Portugal, we said, thinking about this, etc. she said, oh, Eric's in Portugal. And that was it. So we had this connection. We got on the Zoom with him. I'd met him before. He was very excited about it. He comes from Hawaii as a surfer. He's a surf videographer and moved his surf videography business to the Nazaré area because of the big surf here. What were some of the other countries that you had looked at
1: that you were interested in before you finally settled on Portugal?
3: It's interesting. We didn't look seriously at a lot of other countries. We did consider Costa Rica and we had considered Mexico. We considered Costa Rica because we had friends who migrated there 10 years ago and set up a business down there. And Costa Rica is it very appealing. And yet the idea of being in Europe in a culture that is, that is open and warm and being in a place that you have access to other parts of very different cultures and very different languages was very exciting. So we didn't reject other countries, we just chose Portugal. Okay. That's beautiful. And we have no regrets, no regrets
1: at all. Fantastic. So tell me about this, this desire to have a better quality of life. What are some of the aspects of better quality of life for you? And how have you found that in Portugal?
3: What I found is that it, it doesn't feel as harried and, and chronic over all the time. The pace is different. The quality of connection with people seems to be warm. The connection that you can make with people, even without the language, is, is really interesting. It's very heartwarming. I'll give you an example of something that is touching, that symbolizes life here a bit. We're on the metro, and we're at the top of the escalator, and there's an old woman with a cane trying to navigate the escalator down. And a young woman coming up, turned around and took her arm and went down the escalator with her. And at mm. the end of it, the older woman took the younger woman's hand and kissed it. And they went on their way. Mm. And just little things like that, the little touches, little symbols of warmth, symbols of connection, symbols of caring that that are pervasive. And I know that happens. If, course in the united states it's there Mm -hmm. it's just appears to be more obvious or more apparent somehow i couldn't agree with you more honestly i know that our
1: time here i've noticed those little moments that you see and for me it it changes you as a person it's definitely changed me like it, it you slow down like you said the pace of life is slower but you slow down to recognize hey there's other people out here around me like in my orbit and to be more aware of what their needs are, and to be able to to meet their needs.
3: It's really beautiful. It is. In fact, I was funny, Mandy and I were coming up from the Fado place a few minutes ago, and we've been there a couple hours, and sitting there, and they're singing the Fado, and we're being quiet and and listening. These moments come over you where you really recognize these are sweet moments. People are connecting with each other. They're being affectionate. They're the same crowd. They're the same group. They're singing every Wednesday and Saturday, so they know each other. But there's palpable warmth. It's as if, in a way, in those settings you're being held. I know that sounds corny and kind of airy-fairy and all, but it does feel like you're being held by the group energy, as weird as that may sound. But it's palpable. You can feel it. Awesome. Where do you
1: live in the city? Let's dive into what daily life is like for you and how you're getting on in terms of your transition here.
3: Yeah, we live in the Marques area, which is north of the center city uh, and not a part of the suburb, but it's still city. It's on the metro line. It's a park with a metro line. I think within two blocks of me each way, there must be 20 cafes or bars, restaurants. That's quite active and not noisy. There's a lot of bustling going on, but it's not like heavy traffic, et cetera. And so we live in that particular area. We chose it because we wanted to not have a car. And we chose it because of the proximity to the metro system. We can get on metro as you can get all over town. In fact, 20 miles north to beach cities, if you want. Just by getting on a metro and riding, then it's reasonable, it's not expensive, and it's modern, and uh, it, it works. It really does work. So Mandy is a, an artist who does a lot of sketching, both traditional sketching with watercolor as well as digital art with iPads, etc. And so she's an iPad artist, and she's also a yoga instructor. She does zoom yoga. So when the business dried up and you couldn't go to clubs anymore for your yoga classes, she went online and brought many of her clients online. And so moving to Portugal did not change the interactions during COVID. It's, it doesn't really matter where you are, as you well know, to apply those kinds of skills. So she's been doing that. So she goes out every day and sketches, goes to a cafe, meets some people, she takes a few art classes in the area, and then she teaches yoga in some of the evenings. I'm working with colleagues. We've written a book on designing workshops and things. It's doing quite well on Amazon, and we're very pleased about that. So we're working on putting up a course that is a course that's built on the book. And the book is built on the experience of us working together in different training venues back in the United States. I'm looking at actually getting on some podcasts to market the book. I really love the stuff that's in the book. I love the fact that it's about how do you design workshops that are transformational? How do you make classes that make a difference in people's lives? What are the keys to that? What's the x-ray vision around how you structure that? And then how do you teach it so that people actually go in and come out differently in a way that they want to? And I do a Zoomcast once a week and have been doing it for the past three years for alumni of some of our workshops to learn how to take experiential training online. How do you make what we call mind-body learning and mind-body teaching? How do you take that online so it's effective as if you were in the classroom, but you're not, you're on a screen. So what do you do? How do you use breakout rooms? So I'm playing with those things.
1: As you're talking about this, I'm thinking like, what could be the application for our listener? And I'm wondering, are there ways that they can plug into something like this to create an online course that not only benefits their audience members, but also benefits them by getting them paid so they can have some income to move to Portugal?
3: Very good. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what is exciting me now, taking the book and moving it forward. And I do like to teach and that's been a part of what I've been looking at here. I have not networked in Porto itself with regard to that kind of work. I know that for stand-up training here in Portugal, you really do need to speak Portuguese unless you find Fortune 500 companies or expat companies. So I'm looking at how to expand what I might do online. And uh, I think one of the things that I really love about it is that You can do things on these screens that you wouldn't think. You can have conversations that are deep, if that's what you're looking for, that you would only think would be possible in a small group, in a hotel somewhere, in a corporate training setting. But there are things that you can do online, even motion stuff, even yoga. You can get people engaged in moving and having different experiences with themselves. as also online in small group breakout rooms and things. So there's an art craft and science to that. And that's what we're playing with. Yeah. One of the
1: things I'm curious about your perspective on as remote workers, so removing the digital creative that me and my wife are, but just remote workers in general, as remote workers, we find that the pace of life can have us become a little less productive. Yes. We'll go to a cafe in the middle of the day because we can and we have slowed down. So do you find yeah. any conflict with that, where you have a difficult time getting things done that you need done for work as a remote worker? Yes. Okay.
3: So how do you combat that? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Give me your pulse of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a bit background. I used to teach cross-cultural training things for the Peace Corps years ago, helping Americans go overseas without freaking out. So what do you do? And we had all kinds of theories and ways of approaching it. And at this age and stage, I've been teaching a long time. And this is different, not because Portugal is different, but because what you begin to realize is the issue is not Portugal. The issue is how you talk to yourself about what you're able to do and not able to do in this setting. And then when you think about be happy with getting one thing done a day, maybe, that's the phrase, what happens here? What do you do when you're unhappy and you're standing in line and you're grousing and you hear yourself starting to complain about the Portuguese and you realize it's you? Portugal's not going to change. Portuguese aren't, they're not wrong. Right. It's us. How do we manage ourselves in this new environment so that we can take advantage of all of the things that we dreamed about and we're here and we say, okay, now we're here now what? How do you reconcile that? And that's an internal dialogue that I think takes place with a lot of us as expats all the time. The difference between being driven and thinking that being driven is actually satisfying and recognizing that satisfaction may come from a different way of thinking about who you are in this culture and how you go about being. And dealing with your own emotions around it. That's my experience of it. And it's not everybody, but that's what's going on. Is that helpful? Absolutely. Well, I need to dig a little deeper. How do you find satisfaction? How do you personally find satisfaction here? What does that look like? I think an interesting thing is finding satisfaction in the fact that in order to come to Portugal, I had to change the way I operated around a lot of things just to get us here. Okay. Okay. So just take the D7 visa, you know, all all folks know about it. For some, the D7 visa is a piece of cake. For others, it is a mm-hmm. real pain. And what I found is that I had to overcome a lot of hurdles around things that I had not done in the U.S. because I didn't have to pay attention to them that much. And all of a sudden, pull all of this right. information together in a D7 format. If I don't have that information, I got to go find it. So learning to go back into the detail of things and begin to find satisfaction with doing those planning, organizing, controlling tasks, which was not a part of my makeup, wasn't a part of my makeup. That was a real shift. And after two years of doing that, then while I find satisfaction now, I really enjoy trying to figure out how to get through the Portuguese bureaucracy so that I can get what I really need to do. And so that's actually frustrating and satisfying at the same time. Satisfying because it's something that I hadn't come to kind of naturally. So I'm applying new skills around getting on here in Portugal. So that's one of the things that comes up. Great. Dealing with that bureaucracy, moving into... Recognizing when there's a conflict of I got to get this done, I got to get this done. I was just pointed to the third room or the third building, and it's still the wrong building. And learning to be okay with that, it really is okay. You know, nobody's dying, so it's an internal journey. Sounds like you've definitely grown in patience, patience. being here. Yeah, exactly,
1: P- patience. Yeah. I'm curious to know about language maybe struggles or successes that you and Mandy have had. You all are both practicing Portuguese and learning it. Are there any successes that you've had? And then what are some of the bits of advice that you can give to learning Portuguese and also setting up realistic expectations for people? Because some people are going to move here and
3: have some real language issues. We're the ones that do have language issues. And we are beginning this study a little more systematically than we have. It is difficult. Part of the challenge has been setting up the structure and being aware that in order to progress on it, you need a plan. And that within that plan, you need a structure and then you need instruction and then you need connection with other people. And we're just at the beginning of seriously looking at learning the language. We've played around with various apps to get the sounds. And that we've realized that those are as good as far as they take you, but they're, I think it's necessary to do more. And the challenge is doing more without making it a have to, got to do it. If I don't do it, I'm a terrible person. And doing more because it allows you to connect. It allows you to learn the culture. It allows you to meet people. It allows you to facilitate your life there more effectively. Coming to grips with the higher purpose of, why am I learning the language? It's beyond just being able to order a sardine, way beyond that. How do you glom onto that higher level? Why do you want to learn the language? Because you can get on without the language. Right. And if English is widely spoken, as we've heard through the years, and it depends on the part of the country that you're in. Yeah, absolutely.
1: As a whole, Portugal's ranked... Seventh in the world in terms of their language proficiency, uh-huh. it's one of thirteen countries that that rank highly proficient. And giving a quick comparison compared to Spain, which is moderately proficient. If language is an issue for people, and you're wondering, do I go to Portugal or Spain? Portugal, you're going to have a much easier time in terms of language. Now, Spanish for English speakers tends to be a little faster of a learn, just because there's more media out there, there's more exposure. A lot of Americans are exposed to it in the U.S. But yeah. Portugal's language proficiency is way, way up yeah. there.
3: We don't talk about it enough. Yeah, We've heard other people talk about this. Any little thing that you do in the language is appreciated. It's subtle. It's Likely like the kissed on the hand by the young woman who takes you down. It's the subtleties mm-hmm. of the connection that are important. Just trying gets a smile. Even if they have to correct it does, you, Yeah, you get a smile. If the communication after the smile is not there, there's been connection. Even though they go back to English or you pointing and smiling or whatever, the connection is made. And it's just little kinds of things mean a lot in these particular situations. And that's the cool thing about language is that it is the
1: purpose of it that is for connection. Yes. You're trying, you're communicating something to someone else for connective reasons. Exactly. Something you said earlier, keeping the why out in front of you. And remembering why you're doing something yes. can really help with some of the, just the mental stress that happens with making a move, adapting to a new place. Absolutely. If you remember why you moved and you just continually remind yourself of that it will really allow some of that stress and anxiety to dissipate much more rapidly.
3: If, Do you get that? I, you got that. And it started back with you all going to CVS and we're deciding on Portugal and We've got a house to sell, many years of crap in the house, and we don't want to take much of it with us. It's easy to get bogged down in the details until you go on and listen to you and Kaylee talking about Portugal or the Good Morning Portugal show people and Carl Munson and group or even the Facebook pages allows us to do exactly what you said. Revisit the why. You need to get back to the why. Otherwise, you can get caught up. And the connection with the expat community has been one of the major things that kept the why in front of us. We know why we're doing it. We look at the videos. We listen to your podcasts. We are re-enthused about it. And it allows us to access that creative part of us again and want to be great when, as opposed to getting bogged down in the details. And and do you feel like the expat community in
1: general in Portugal is a positive place to spend time and and connect with people?
3: Very much. What I found is that for whatever reason, we're all in this together. And when we come together to Mm -hmm. talk about the D7 or the problem with the NIFs or getting the housing kinds of stuff, you're connecting, you've got something in common, not just being North American or just an expat, But you've got something that you share in common, and that's how you are solving problems, how others have solved problems, and then in the community, how we help each other solve problems. Because you can go online and you can go to your site and the courses that you have, et cetera. There are challenges and issues, and the community provides that as a service. It's it's invaluable, and it creates connection. It creates community. It helps create safety. It creates familiarity in terms of people who've, we know people who've gone before. We can do this too. They had the same problems that we We did. We can do this too. And now on this side of it, looking at the questions and concerns that people have, we're now on the other side. We had the same ones. We have other ones, but we can be a little helpful with regard to what we did. No, that's great.
1: So it sounds like you, you have an easy time connecting with locals. So I'm wondering how you connect with expats off platform, because during COVID, we were all living our lives online a bit. That can be good and bad, right? Right. It can be a bit one dimensional.
3: Yes. So what do you do now that you're here to connect with people in real life? There are spontaneous things that kind of emerge sometimes. And then there are the planned things. So the meetups that we have in Porto, the physical meetups that you are fostering are very helpful. And there are other groups here that are fostered as well. But the physical meetups and sharing in real time what's going on and yourself, etc., it creates a familiarity and a sense of connection and that we're not alone. I used to work in the world of Peace Corps volunteer training. And about one-third of the volunteers joined the Peace Corps and got in country. About a third of them left early. They had two-year commitment. They left at three to six months. And a large part of that was because they lacked the connection. Once they learned the language, they connected better and so they could adapt to it. But a large part of it was not having the connection. And so what we discovered was that if we got them together once every three months in groups and they talked about their concerns, they didn't leave as early. So the expat community also provides that kind of, of structure and support. We've all gone through the same kinds of things. In a sense, and this sounds really weird, but this is the hero's journey. If you look at the yep. heroes, the Joseph Campbell stuff around, for the call to a new place, all of a sudden the honeymoon is over and all of a sudden it's conflictual. You have all kinds of problems mm-hmm. at the bottom of the trough and then you make friends. And then you make more friends. And once you've made the friends and the connections you've moved into a different existence in the country. The expat community provides a sense of appreciating our common journey and appreciating our common aspirations because everybody's come for different reasons and the same reason. The different reasons are specific in terms of I had a mortgage here and I had this and that. The same reasons are I'm needing a change in my life Seeing new possibilities and opportunities that would emerge from my being in a different place, just intuitively knowing that if I'm in another country and I'm open enough, it will change me, and I want to change. Yeah. So the expat communities provide a lot of uh, a lot of support for that. So along with the meetups that we have, Mandy is starting to take some art classes here in Porto. And so she's made friends in the art community doing urban sketching, but she's also part of a woman's group of expat women here in Porto who get together once, I guess it's once a week now, and just talk about how you solve problems, et cetera. And I've, I've met the men of the group, and so we chat. Then there's the spontaneous stuff that comes up. I walk out the door. I heard my doorbell ring. I thought it was mine. I opened the door. And I see a gentleman going in the apartment across from us that had been empty, but I knew somebody was there. Happens to be from America. Mm -hmm. We just spontaneously chat, and we just went to photo together. So it was that running into somebody and the coincidences and the synchronicities that began to emerge through this being here in this country, actually overseas, but being open to, yeah, we can go to lunch. Yeah, let's give that a shot. So a part of it is intentionality and you're being intentional okay. connection.
1: It sounds like your community here is super strong. Is there anything that would take you out of Porto? Is there another city that you would go to that you're interested in trying? Do you have that kind of wanderlust within the country itself?
3: Right now, we don't, as we're getting settled in Porto. And though, one of the things that was intriguing to me is being down in the Peniche and the Silver Coast area. Um, I'm intrigued by that because it reminds me of my upbringing in California, and it reminds me of the California coast in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And the feel is that. The plants are like that, so it's very familiar. So I'd like to spend some more time there, not necessarily to live, but I'd like to visit there some more. And the other place I want to visit is the Azores or Azores. I would me at Madeira. Now, I lived in Hawaii for a year or so, and it reminds me very much of the topography of the big island of Hawaii. And it's, it pulls me. Definitely. Absolutely.
1: Jim, at Expats Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms lives. How has living abroad transformed your life?
3: I've lived abroad off and on for most of my career. And so the first transformative experience was being a Peace Corps volunteer in India. And that was living abroad with a language of very different culture that was beneficial to others in that new place. What you ran up against, but I didn't know it at the time, and I think we do it here, is it's transformative because it forces you to rethink how you show up and rethink how you're going to be in this moment, in this new situation. And living in Baltimore or Washington or whatever, many times you don't have to think about that. You can get to the supermarket and you can get everywhere. You can get in line and do all of those things, but then all of a sudden you're here and it's all different and you're the conversation in your own head about it. And so it's transformative in terms of the way in which you think about yourself In terms of your capabilities, it's a real eye-opener. And it's not necessarily negative. You may see some things that you might, oh my God, really, am I thinking that or am I doing that? And that can be transformative if we get past it a little bit. If we let it stick us, then we get stuck. And we can be stuck.
1: That's right. Yeah, those negative things can many times make us a better person in the end once we get through it once we gain some perspective maybe distance from a it
3: perspective and distance exactly exactly
1: yeah jim thank you so much for just the inspirational chat that we had and i think the listener is going to get a lot from this
3: well you're so welcome it's a pleasure to be with you again very much thank you and i want you to know if you're really doing good good work for the community. It's really necessary. It's needed. And what you do transforms lives. What you do matters. Really does. Thank you. That that gives me chills. I appreciate it. I really do. Kaylee and
1: I definitely set out on this journey to honestly help as many people as we can experience what we have experienced while living abroad. And the fact that we've turned this into full-time yeah. jobs is a complete blessing. Yeah. But it's also something that is is not lost on us and we still keep the why out in front of us, which is helping people move abroad because living abroad transforms yeah. lives. And I think, I hope that if we keep doing that, we'll continue to grow as a business and continue to help more people.
3: Yeah, it's working.
1: It's working. Thank you. Appreciate
3: it. Jim, if you would tell us, how can people connect? They can connect with my email, and I'd be happy to connect with people who are interested in any aspect of coming to Portugal or our experience. We've hosted a couple of folks, friends who've come through, and we show them around a little bit, so they're most welcome to connect on that. I'd be more than willing to answer emails or get on Zoom or whatever it happens to be. And I guess I would say to that, if you're thinking about it, do it. If you're thinking about it, do it.
1: So, listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal.
0: We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up.
1: And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the Digital Nomad Visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the Digital Nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off.
0: So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on.
1: And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date.
0: Well, I have to because they're always changing things. And so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials. And if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions.
1: Expats Everywhere researches our guests and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts.